Hello. Hello. That's been a while since we pressed that. <laughs> yeah, it's a good job it still works. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm just thinking about all the jingles that have been made and never heard in those intervening months. Oh, well, maybe we should make more podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, welcome to the Agency and No Opinion podcast, uh, episode something or other. Um, yeah, we can edit that in later, I have no idea what episode this is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've we've been away for a while. Um, I think the last time we did this was back in uh, May. Uh, Something like that. Yeah. The design festival. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. We, we've had every intention of getting down here and doing another podcast. It's just not really worked out for us. It's been a bit of a bit of a crazy year. So yeah, we're just finding time as a as as the year draws to a close to sit back down and record our thoughts on things that have passed. Yeah, I think we thought we'd do a bit of a roundup. Um, of things that have gone well, things that have maybe not gone so well, um, and then what? Well, I mean, I say the plan for the future. I, I, it sort of makes itself up, doesn't it? Well, yeah, <laughs> it'll, it'll we'll just go along and see what happens, pretty much. Um, but our thoughts on the direction we want to go, I think, especially with the with the podcast, anyway. Um. Yeah, so where where do we start with this year? Well, I mean, for the benefit of people joining this for the first time, I'm I'm Lyle Bruce and you are Ryan McLeod. I am. Yep. And um, yeah, I mean, so I, probably the best place to start with is, um, I guess, what happened, uh, what happened after the design festival. What we've we been, what are we what are we doing? Um, yeah. Was, so back, uh, no, no, no. Was, yeah. was I meant to do something else there? No, no. <laughs> 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 I'm thinking back to when that actually was, so that would probably be the start of June. Um, and I mean, since then we've made a book. We have, which was design festival based. Yeah, I'm so kind of I'm kind of aware we have to talk about more things than the design festival. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I think that's an important little bit to talk about. Um, is that we created a publication based upon the, I suppose, to document the the design festival this year and to show a bit more of the process and some of the nice things that we had that didn't necessarily make it to the festival or were part of the process yeah we did I mean we, we, we had um, uh, we had somebody with Catherine Rattray who's a photographer in Dundee to document the whole design festival and we ended up with thousands of photos literally thousands literally thousands of photos um, and, and that was a kind of a, a big task I mean we, we always kind of knew going into the festival that we wanted to have something at the end of it that we could use that recorded the process of designing and building that festival in the you know in in the few months that we worked on it uh, rather than having you know lots of stuff at the other end showing what we were going to do we wanted to you know make sure there was enough left over to to document it properly so yeah we 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 sat down to make this book um and really it became an exercise in in sifting through photos and and editing and the books are very visual account of the whole festival is very few words in there it's trying to so show a story and pictures from from january to to may um this year and our, our process of going through that from finding a location for um, uh, creating the typeface with tommy um to bringing in a team that that was able to build and construct all the spaces that we needed to make in that time and uh, also showing the, the sort of realities of the centre as well and where we were at mm. the, the Kiel Centre. I think what what we wanted was 
an easy way to to tell the tell the story of that six month journey and what the festival actually was in a way you can just go put it into someone's hands and they easily get a feel for for what we did and who we got involved in and what we created um and yeah so the the books are available now in in limited bookstores <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're available personally if anyone wants to get in touch um we will happily uh sort you out with the book <laughs> yeah. um for for a paltry 15 pounds yeah um the yeah we, we still have a box of them anyway here um yeah sure. or you can contact annie mars at the unesco uh, design team and they've got a big stack of them there that they're selling i think they're also on sale at sorbus which is a cafe on dock street next to dock street studios um so yeah you can you can pop in there if you'd rather not uh um disturb us <laughs> 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 uh, if we were on holiday <laughs> um yeah they, they, i think they've still got copies in there so that's probably the best place to to get them um so that's the sales pitch yep we don't make anything out of these by no the i mean all the proceeds are going back into the unesco uh team's fund we have done our work yeah exactly yeah it's not really for for making money um so yeah and then off i suppose off the back of design festival um we applied to be part of a of a conference um out in detroit uh through the the unesco cities of design network as detroit is america's only city of design um and they had an open call out for um submissions around inclusive design and in particular looking at how you engage um a wider audience and, and communities and um, things like that and we felt that there were some specific parts of the uh, this year's festival that, that sort of fitted that brief really nicely. Yeah, I mean, when when we created a lot of events for the festival, it was um, they were they were things that we thought could perhaps some of them were things we thought we could probably take elsewhere and 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 reuse them. Um, in particular, the poster playground. Yeah, and we, we were trying to find somebody that 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 would uh, allow us to take the poster playground to to new audiences and be able to uh, use the tools that we created there to kind of let people get hands-on with design in a sort of non-technical way um so so yeah detroit um is you know the only i think unesco said design in the states as ryan said um and uh, we went out there with it they, they brought us in as part of their conference and we set it all up and it was kind of quite a, a logistical challenge to figure out how we took this thing it was kind of we used a space in the Kela center and kind of made it quite an integral that space was quite integral to how the poster playground worked and then we kind of had to to look at how we can make that a traveling thing and and create it which kind of meant turning up there with the tools and then more or less looking at the space that we had there and working it out and and uh, uh, uh going and buying paint <laughs> yeah i mean it was sort of <laughs> we were given a, a, a sort of white walled gallery space um, and the poster playground at the design festival was very much a bright, vibrant space that then uh, the walls were then filled with work. Um, and so what, what we wanted to do was to take that that transformation of the space um, to Detroit. Yeah, and conferences can be kind of quite dry events. You know, they can be quite, you know, you're kind of looking at stages and watching people talk. And it's kind of the, kind of the opposite of what our design festival was. And we're trying to try to take a little bit of that sort of hands-on element out 
and and put it in, in a place where it was kind of the opposite environment to what we were using for the design festival and see if it still worked in 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 that 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 way uh, and it did and it was really interesting i think you know we got a lot of really good results again through it and it was nice to see what people created I was particularly interested in the fact that some of the, the security uh, men at the festival who would be sitting out there while there was talks going on inside the main bit would, would then build things in it and we'd come out and find all these interesting new things made by made by them. So it made it very accessible again to, to again, it's not just about people who know about design, it's about people who just want to play with the tools and create things. Yeah, so we essentially took a big suitcase of typography and shapes um, which we then spread out across a bunch of desks um, and then had specific stations where you could then create a poster using these um, acrylic shapes and then we'd sort of capture them, take photographs and then print them out and post them up. So over the course of the, the sort of two and a bit days of the uh, conference, this, this wall would transform and you'd be able to see all the work that was created along with all the the shapes and things that people had left on the desk. And I think what was really nice was you'd maybe go away and do something um, or go and see a talk or go and have lunch and then come back and there would be all these new things created on the desk that you'd never seen before. And overnight with students and people in the building because it was a, a building used for education as well so they they would make things with it and you'd come in and find people sort of pushing the boundaries of what the system was for. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah, people just, without us necessarily having to be there, people just got it. As soon as they saw a couple of examples they were able to just come in and play and create which was great. Yeah, I mean, I think going into that, we, we thought we'd be hands-on a lot with people, but actually it was better, it probably worked better when we weren't there um, or, or just standing back a bit and letting people get on with things. It was, it was good. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the, the event itself was, was about inclusive design. So it kind of fitted into that sort of idea of, of um, people being able to, to use design in, in different ways and not feel like it's, it's uh, something that they, they are not allowed to take part in um uh, yeah but um the format for something like that is kind of in, in like a, a conference for inclusive design i found it kind of quite i found it slightly a bit of an oxymoron i think that be right I yeah i think when you when you talk about inclusivity but you have one to five people on stage and everyone else sits and watches them um that yeah that format is potentially well i mean it's not potentially it is very exclusive and also the room that you sit in the building that you're in the people who are there is very exclusive um and i think that's in its very nature as a, of how a conference works and i think that kind of for me that reinforced our, our the thoughts that we had on design going into this year's design festival and making it not about just watching people on a stage or people talking. Um, you know, you, you do get that kind of circus of people that travel around the world and kind of talk about things and they're always on message and they get the right the right the right thing to say at the right time and you know, then they pack up and go off to the next thing. And I think, you know, A, it's not a good thing environmentally to be encouraging that, but it's also I kinda of think maybe we're moving beyond those kind of formats for events. Or, or they, they're still important, but I think we should look at other ways of doing things too. Yeah, and I suppose it's it's about the the sharing of of knowledge and information and learning, and there is no one set way of doing that. There's lots of different sort of formats or, or methods in which you can 
share and learn and, and grow and develop together with people in a room. Um, so maybe we just have to to work a bit harder at, at how we how we do that and how we think about events like that and and how we make them. I suppose make them so that everyone can get involved. Everyone can have a say if 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 they want to um, within an environment like that. So that was Detroit. Um, <laughs> I mean, we, 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 we planned to do a podcast when we were out there because we were actually staying in a place that had a studio uh, in it for doing podcasts and we thought it would be really good to, to do one out there. Um, I think I think we just got absolutely beaten by jet lag and just general having to, to work and get everything done every day that we didn't feel like doing it at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we got off the plane and then... Uh, got to the venue, had a full day of set up, then we had two pretty full on days running the 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 Boster playground. Um and then yeah, by the end of that everyone else was jetting off back to where they where they were from. So yeah, it was hard to, to capture that that podcast, which is a shame. And I think I think what what's really good, I think like in terms of what we did in Helsinki was bringing that that knowledge back. Um and it's great that as we do send designers out across the world from from here and from across Scotland. It's sort of how do you capture that those learnings, that knowledge, that thing? And I think podcasts are a great way to do that and to, to get something tangible that you can share quite easily. It, it sort of shows the power of the the UNESCO, the Creative Cities Network, because without that, we would never have made that connection. We would never have, have gone out there or been able to present at that conference necessarily and then you also see there's obviously a group of folks that went across to uh, Bilbao um, just after we were in Detroit um, so it, it is I think you can already see massive benefits of being part of this wider bigger network that we can get designers showcasing on a, a sort of world stage um, from a, a relatively small city compared to a lot of the rest of them yeah you just need you need that catalyst to connect things uh, to to, to um, from one place to another and it's very hard sometimes when you're running a design studio or you're you're working doing things to to have that time to do that and that's something that you know, having a, a unesco office here having the team here they can help us with and work with work towards um you know it's it's probably something i thought would happen when 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 we got our, our um, big shiny building on the waterfront but i think it's kind of that's kind of much more about being a museum than it is about being at the service of the design community um, and I think the UNESCO office is probably what can service the design community really well and I think that's that's what makes it probably the more important thing for Dundee in terms of building a design community. Yeah and I think we we absolutely need to focus on building and developing that community internally but we need to also work and build on making sure that we're going beyond the city, beyond the country, beyond the, the continent to actually showcase the work that's happening here and the, the the great creatives that that are living and working here um because like we're still not we're, we're not renowned as an international design hub i mean scotland as a whole isn't known in the same way as, as lots of other places that like that known for design even though there's great great work going on and i think that's kind of what the, well that for me was what this whole podcast is about it's kind of like well what is design what are we trying to do um, with it, what, is, what, is, what does it mean in the world sense? What does it mean in a, in a, in a Scotland sense? You know, what, does, what is design and how do we use it? 
So I suppose we've we've talked about a lot of the positive things that have happened in the last sort of um, year or so, and so let's let's talk about some of the negatives. Let's talk about some of the things that actually didn't go quite as well as we'd hoped, or quite as well as we'd planned, or sort of some unforeseen things. So, so for you, what do you think? What's been the the worst or the most frustrating bit? Um. I think for one of the, 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 the most frustrating thing has been we set up a we, we were working with a client when we started up this studio which was to set up a, a new uh, a product um, for a client um, and it's one of these it's one of these really interesting examples of when you know how design can really help something and you know that say the client has got um, a project which their idea for it is 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 maybe they have a business plan. And you know the business plan doesn't work. It's like it's a one product business plan, and you know that that can't possibly succeed in the market that they are going into. But you kind of go with it, and you help them develop that one product. But you also put in place a contingency without you know to 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 produce a range of products because you know that that's going to have to be the way it goes. But you can't really. It's not really the right place to go into that. You're not really there to tell them how to write their business plan. So as a designer, you create a structure that's ready to be activated <laughs> when 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 and it needs to be if that's what they they end up with. Um, I mean that's an interesting thing in itself because I guess people could say is it is it your role to say you know it, your business plan's wrong. Um, because that, that's a kind of difficult one as well. I kind of that's something I wrestled with at the time, but kind of decided to just have faith in what they thought. I suppose it depends. It depends on how you see the role of design, and how the client sees the role of design, and whether there's a like whether you're both on the same page, if you like, or if there's a difference there. Yeah, and that's a really interesting way of looking at because we we were trying to approach it from being a collaborative uh, um, designer-client relationship where you're, you're kind of working and developing ideas together and doing things. And I think ideally that's where we'd want to be with most clients. That's what we aim for. And yeah. I think that's the, that's the kind of negative that I'm kind of getting at a little bit here is that sometimes that's how, well, that's how it sort of started with this and then, and then you know, it becomes apparent that actually it's just another case of the client seeing you as a service that can be uh, discarded uh, or or changed or cost cut or whatever and, and it's kind of something you put a lot of effort and time into something to create a system to create a whole series of products which it did end up being you know ended up it ended up being a product originally but then very quickly it had to become a series of products and it was it was at the you know it was at the buyer end of the spectrum where that decision was made they were like well we wouldn't take this unless it was a range so you know you have to kind of go quickly and create a whole whole uh, other series of things and that was something we put a lot of provision in for and did and, and it was very successful and we did it we did it really well for them and um yeah i, I was very pleased with what we did um but then i suppose it, it, that relationship moved on and design became seen as an unnecessary expense I think, think what happened. So my read on it is, and it's very, it's very difficult to kind of speak about it because we're obviously not talking about who the client was because it's probably just as unfair as it was for us to have. But I think we feel that it's important enough that we should talk about it because 
it's a it's a common issue yeah um and it's a problem with designer client relationships and how this relationship of seeing design as a service and how design is perceived so i feel that it's it's really important that we talk about it so what happened in this particular instance was we, we developed a range of products um and then the impetus on the sort of whole business of it um became creating more products faster you know more and more faster and faster so the system had to really work to kind of turn things around really quickly and we had to kind of tweak it and do some bits to make that the case and also it was kind of creating so many products that you're kind of like well we didn't provide enough initial colorways or things like that that we could probably do that with so you have to kind of go back to it and revisit it a little bit and tweak things um and um yeah so then it's like a cost thing so it's like we need to turn around quickly and they have to be cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and you have to do them this way and then you have to kind of decide is this is this a relationship that you're kind of enjoying working on or is this a relationship that's that's becoming kind of a little bit toxic you know is it is it hard and i think we we were we were kind of then agreed to kind of maneuver ourselves to a position where we were working on a bigger overall concept to refresh everything and and the the system we created could then be used by other in-house based designers to to create the other range of products um uh, as long as we kept a look in on it all and was able were able to kind of uh, oversee what you know what final things were being done so we then you know kind of started producing the new designs um and then very quickly things overtook us and products were hitting the market and going out there without us seeing the designs or knowing this was happening or yeah making changes to the designs that we'd done or not even you know i mean basically long long story short is like they hacked into our pdfs and took took all our bits and started started playing with things and in, in ways that we we weren't happy with and uh yeah and that got to the point where without any communication ties became severed um there, there was no relationship anymore and the work that we had previously created was then taken remixed reworked redistributed um without our consent or permission which in terms of the sort of the intellectual property or the copyright associated to that work technically we still own that mm-hmm. um and the client did not um, which puts you in a bit of a tricky situation yeah it does and 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 it's that's that's something that yeah we we had to make a decision on um and uh, in, in, in one of one of two ways you know we either we either had to pursue it legally or we had to just sever everything and make it clear that we weren't happy about this and wanted it to stop and that's kind of the route we do. i mean we didn't it, 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 it it's it, it you know the our work has now slowly been erased from from that product um and 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 it's happier all around for that because it's, it's you know, it's difficult when you see your work being reproduced without your, you know, uh, overseeing of it, and then it's not quite the way you would want it to be, and then it reflects badly on you. So, yeah. And I, I mean, I don't. Th- what we're not saying here is that we should always be that designer, and we should our work should always be used, and um, you should never go and use anyone else or, or change studio or, or any of that stuff not at all I think what we're saying here is that there needs to be an open and honest dialogue between client and designer 
um, and that's got to be communicated and also that understanding of how a client's business model works um, is absolutely key to, to being able to make a design system flexible to that and make sure that the the, the cost of design is sort of factored into to a product or a service or whatever the the, the client is then um, selling as part of the business. Um, but it's, it, it can be difficult to get to that that point with a client um, there's a, there's got to be a lot of trust there um, and design has got to become an integral part of that business model um, and if that doesn't um, then you sort of run the risk of it being pushed to the side and seen as an unnecessary expense or seen as ways that you can easily just cut that corner or we could do it better else elsewhere or with someone else or in another way or um and that's I mean that's massively frustrating. Um and I think it works two ways. You either I think you either enter into an agreement at the beginning where the work is 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 in, entirely owned by the client and you're working with that knowledge that you're producing that work and you're being um you know you're being paid essentially to to produce that work and and hand it over in its entirety or you you enter into the agreement of being a collaborative partner in that process and the you know, the 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 rights retaining with the designer and maybe it not being quite as expensive to produce because you're kind of building it up and and it's a it's a you know a, 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 you've got a longer vision in in mind for how that's going to work and that's kind of the approach with this project that, that was entered into and then know we we kind of then got cut out of it um quite early on yeah and I, I, so i want to bring up something that's often a contentious issue between us mm-hmm. um which is contracts mm-hmm. i think it's important to talk about how contracts work um in the context of of this sort of design sector and that there's there's often a lot of work that goes on without contracts in place and if projects go well, um, everything goes fine, you deliver the work, the client's happy, the contract is, is not often needed if you have that trust and you have a, a good relationship with the client. But if things don't go well, then a contract can be a helpful way of still making sure that you get paid or still making sure that you retain the the IP or the rights to your work. Um are can sort of maintain uh, the, the sort of timeline of a project, if you like. Um, so they can be useful, but I, I mean, we've often have this, had this discussion that putting a contract in place can change the nature of your relationship with the client. Yeah. So there's a thing called the the 1988 uh, Copyrights and Patent Act, which is something which governs uh, creative work and and design work produced. Um, in the UK particularly it's a UK um, uh, act um, and the, the the purpose of that act is that the intellectual property of design work um, or creative work in general and particularly music and other things too um, retains with the, the, the creator, the artist or the designer um, unless otherwise specified contractually so you you kind of you can work for a client and be uh, with that law in the background so that that's, that's a sort of safety net. Uh, so should things go wrong, then that's what would be triggered. 
Um, and in this circumstance, that's what would been, you know, that's what we would have used to protect ourselves. Um, often what a client will do is want you to, to sign another contract, which kind of um, forgoes that, that clause and then allows them to be the owner of the copyright. Um, so yeah, I'm not a big fan of bringing up contracts if they're not necessary, um, because it just ends up becoming a barrier to uh, building a relationship with a client because you, you just then go, well, C clause, you know, C paragraph four, <laughs> uh, this says this, 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 and this. And, you know, but when a client wants a contract to be part of the, the project, then I think it's, a, you know, it's something you have to kind of look at and entertain and make sure it's everybody's happy with that. Um, and that can be a daunting thing too, because then, you know, you, you, you're legally suddenly bound to somebody else's way of working. And if things don't go well, it's normal, you know, you've got to make sure that you've, you're protected within that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, it, it is a sort of grey area and there are benefits for both sides of it. It's it's finding the way that works for you best that still gives you the protection that you require. Um, if you feel like you do need that protection, then by all means, you should put the contracts in place. But if you have good relationships with your clients, um, then that's maybe less likely, but then things can always change, so... Yeah, there is no right answer. Well, that's what I'm saying about the the the, the nineteen eighty eight um, patents and copyright act is that that when things do go wrong without a contract in place, then that is the kind of that's the de facto fallback is that is that piece of legislation that that uh, that you can you can enact, um, and then obviously there's legal sides of expenses and other things that need to kind of be considered into that it's like you know how much you want to pursue something and and do it uh, to get and that's hard it's hard as well if you're a small studio or small individuals how do you how do you muster that sort of this sort of you know money essentially to go after somebody who may have a considerably bigger amount of money to to fight it so you know there's there's this trick you know, it's a tricky thing all around i guess that's what small claims courts are for you know given if it's a small enough value but sometimes it's not so yeah it's a tricky thing to talk about but it's 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 the realities of of you know being in this industry or doing this sort of stuff or keeping it keeping a small creative studio where you are kind of trying to to develop a, a relationship you know as we we're saying there it was all positive and then it's a little bit you know let's take a bit reality check and and you know um yeah let's go back to something positive yeah so um I mean, a few episodes ago on the podcast, we went down to speak to James um, from Warrior Studio, at, um, who produced Graphic Design Festival Scotland. Um, and after that, they invited us to come down and be part of part of the festival. And unfortunately, I was on holiday. Well, I think what actually happened is James got in touch with you and uh, arranged it all. Um, and then somewhere down the line, you said, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm going to be in Australia for three weeks. <laughs> Um, so, so would you mind doing it on your own? Um, to which James said, "I think that's a bad idea to do it on your own." Um, or was it Beth? Um, it was probably both of them. Both to them, be yeah. fair, yeah. So, yeah, we we um, uh, um, we thought maybe because we'd been working with Tommy Perman recently um, with the Design Festival, so we asked Tommy if he would be interested in kind of coming along and doing it with me. And uh, 
Tommy said yes. So we, you know, he became a part of the studio for a couple of days to go down there and uh, and and be part of Graphic Design Festival Scotland. And his help was totally invaluable because I would never have been able to do all that in 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 on, in two days on my own. So yeah. So what it was the the live project. So do you want to explain just like what that actually was? Yeah, so what happens is a, a number of studios are invited to, um, uh, studios and agencies are invited down, down to be part of this live project at Craft Design Festival Scotland. And they take on the role of, of mentor to, to a group of 10 students. So um, I think there was, if I get it right, I think there was 20 different agencies and studios working across uh, each with, with 10 students. Um, and you don't know what the project is. And the project brief is set by Graphic Design Festival Scotland. It's actually set by, if it's nice that. Um, so they, they set the brief and um, and it's nice that an online um, magazine for design and creative uh, stuff, uh, if you don't know. Um, and yeah, they set the brief and you have to respond to that. Uh, ten, your 10 students have to respond to that and you have to oversee it. This year's brief is uh, um, uh, what's home to you. And um, it, it it made people sort of look at um, you know where they where they're from or where they are uh, what, what their what their home um, what home means to them as a concept, um, and then they had to kind of look at it and create a project out of that in two days, uh, create a solution to that out of that in two days, and then present it. And they present it to us first, and then we choose the two strongest candidates who each get given an internship, and. Um, then one of them goes forward and presents in front of the entire audience of Graphic Design Festival Scotland for that final day, um, their ideas. And the winner, three winners are kind of picked. Um, and, and we had a great time. It was um, it was a kind of quite a full-on experience. Um, uh, you know, Tommy is, is uh, also a lecturer at, at DJ CAD and... Um, he had his very relative knowledge, uh, very very recent and uh, relevant knowledge of teaching, um, whereas I haven't done any teaching for a number of years. So um, it's it was kind of it kind of took me back a little bit. So yeah, it was because the so the participants were the sort of from like first second years uh, university students to graduates to college students to yeah, a real mixed range. bag. Yeah, I mean you you're mixing up graduates with 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 you know hnc level uh, uh students and it was yeah so you, you you were treating everyone equally in that regard and they were kind of all producing work from the same brief and so it kind of made some really interesting results and, yeah. and so essentially so if there was 20 um agencies there say um and then each takes on two interns you're creating 40 40 internships off the back of that that's that's what they're trying to achieve yes and it's about that i mean that integration of taking the, the talent and the design studios that exist sort of around scotland um and trying to merge that together and sort of bolster the the, the creative uh community and sector across scotland yeah um and I know a number of a number of people have had internships with studios in the past and now got jobs there it's slightly different for us because we are a kind of very small studio and we aim to keep it that way and that's kind of what we're our core objective is so you know we're not looking to really provide employment out of it but we are looking to figure out ways to encourage people um to get involved and be part of uh, design in scotland and whether that's 
by setting up their own practices, um, studios or whatever, then or being freelance or 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 working for a bigger agency, then um, we're kind of we're kind of interested in that. Um, and I think it was really interesting going to this and seeing how these bigger studios and agencies operate, you know, and how how they work because. You have everything from there's other people like us who are very small and 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 um, trying to do trying to do it that way to kind of retain creativity, and then you've got people who are pretty much creating design manufacturing systems, you know, and then putting people through that process, and 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 it's so yeah, you kind of you kind of see the other side again of it, and, and you know it's a side I haven't seen for a long time, so it, it's kind of interesting. We all have to pitch in front of the students to begin with our studio or talk about our, ourselves, and just seeing that and the different levels of people's um, uh, the way that they kind of presented themselves was quite interesting as well. I mean, the, the exciting thing is we've got two interns coming to work with us next year. Um, we, we're now keen to try and find out how we give them the best experience as being interns in a small studio as as, as they can get because it's you know you can you can uh, do internships in in places and not get much from them you know other than understanding the you know how a, how a place operates um but we want to try and bring them in and use their creative skills to their best advantage and uh, obviously uh, uh, you know pay for that service essentially as well we don't want to just bring people in and and uh, um you know say well we're giving you experience uh, so you shouldn't get any money for that. So we we want to make sure that these kind of tie into the right projects that we've got going on. So we're going to try and work on that in the new year and, and do that. So that should be quite quite exciting. Yeah, I think in terms of internships, um, you've got it's got to be a mutually beneficial experience. So the 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 studio or the the agency or whatever should there should be a benefit to bring in this these talented. Um, designers in um and they should get a lot out of it and should be paid for their time as well i think that's that's really important i think unpaid internships are pretty dangerous and like undervaluing those skills and that 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 time especially in the, the sort of gig economy age that we're now sort of careering into or that are already in i suppose yeah, I think unpaid internships are, are dangerous and also probably the less flip side of that is kind of, you know, universities and that offering up their skills of their students for client-based projects masquerading as briefs. You know, you, you have that side of it too and these are these are also dangerous things because you're, you're, you're taking money away from, you know, practicing design studios and you're, you're also putting your students at... Uh, in a sort of slightly exploitative situation and i think you know it's it's a it's a difficult one it's something that we have to kind of be aware of as well as a studio how we operate and how how we um you know uh do that to the best of our ethical abilities <laughs> yeah for sure so i suppose we've kind of talked about some good stuff some not so good stuff um some moral dilemmas um yeah some bits and pieces of the last year or so or though i suppose this i don't know what you would call it but it's not really a series or a season of the podcast but more like a theme of the podcast if you like we sort of set out to to explore what design is and i think the end of this year seems like a natural end point or sort of 
I don't know what you call it, but <laughs> conclusion. Conclusion. There yeah, you go. that's the word. That's it. You know. Um, yeah. I think. I think it's. Yeah. I mean, we we did. We entered into this looking at to figure out what design is it, more because we were setting up a new design studio, and it meant different things to us. And we're changing how we were working and how how we you know we thought about things. But also because, yeah, you see frustrations out there when you're working in this industry and you, you kind of, you have an understanding of it and you kind of hope that it's shared amongst other people. And then sometimes you find that it's, that, um, that it's, that it's not. And then you're, you're kind of like, well, what do, what do you understand design as, you know? And then you begin to realize that that's a very big rabbit hole to go down because it, it's, it's so broad the spectrum of what design is it's it's massive from from makers and product-based design through to uh, just people who exercise design thinking practices and uh, service design and things like that you go you go through the whole whole gamut of of stuff um with design attached to it um and i think some of it kind of uses design as a as a way of bringing credibility to something and others are using it, uh, using design as a way of making things better and for progress. And I think there's there's so many ways that you can kind of go. Um, so so trying to explore that was was quite quite tricky. Um, but I think trying to boil it down a little bit to what we kind of now have and I, uh, uh, you know, what what have we kind of discerned what design is from that. And I think for me, it's been about systems and processes. And trying to say, well, look, you know, design isn't off. It, it, it's mostly about looking at rules, looking at systems, looking at process, and and playing with all of those things. It's not necessarily taking them as as set in stone. It's about using design as a as a as a way of uh, playing with those, and then producing a result, um, whatever that result is. And I think if it doesn't do that, then it's probably, to me, it's not design. Um, so that's now the metric by which I'm trying to understand what design is. Now, there'll be people that don't agree with that, and that's fine. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, it, I, like, yeah, How, what do you think? I think, yeah, the, the, this, this idea of rules and um, systems and tools as well i think is is really important and really strong and i think as designers we create tools um and in an ideal world we create or in a as a sense of a successful project we create tools that create positive change um and that tool could be a, a visual identity or a brand or um a website and those tools have goals in order to create more sales or increase the um, impact or the visibility of, of a certain company, or they may be tools to engage more people in design, or they may be tools to um, empower others. Um, and, and no matter what it is you create as a designer, the, those things that you create become tools that go out into the world. And those tools have very different purposes for very different people. Um, but ultimately it comes back to that sort of core um, and I think that's that's what I've sort of come to realise is that yeah that's what we do is we create, we use these rules and these systems to create tools for, for other people and what I feel strongly that we 
try to do as a studio is to create tools that that manifest and empower in people uh, that that help people understand better what design is and the the potential impact that that can have so whether that's on a on an individual's life or skills or career path or whether that's um as part of a community or whether that's as part of an organization or a business those sort of core concepts still i f- uh, feel exist throughout all of that yeah and i i would i would agree with that um it's uh, the tools bit's important yeah that i think i think creating something that's yeah that, that produces these tools to for people to use and that sounds really that sounds really dry i think when we probably put it like that because i think a lot of what we try to do with our own work is inject sort of a bit of personality and humor in it using visual uh languages and visual systems to try and to do that but that doesn't necessarily mean that that is exclusively what design is that's what that's what we use mm-hmm. as our method of 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 delivering that so there's normally a lot of other things behind that that we put in place which are the bit you know, slightly slightly boring but <laughs> but you know like what we're talking about with the client-based project that didn't go right there was a lot of strategy thinking tools and systems in place that allowed us to be flexible within what we knew was a flawed you know approach uh, from them and that we would be there to kind of put it right when it kind of inevitably would go wrong (laughs) that sounds a bit that maybe sounds a little bit um maybe sounds a little bit wanky but um but uh, i don't know but yeah that's that's i guess in design what you do is you think about all possible permutations and 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 uh and ways things can change and go awry and that's that's what we were doing there and that's what i think a lot of design is about um and often what it gets mixed up with is that it's just about a visual aesthetic or it's just about something and when things when things go when when you do end up in those situations where people just sort of think it's it's expendable and you can just get rid of it they're they're just looking at it on a very aesthetic based thing and thinking well i could have somebody else create that aesthetic but it's actually all the bits behind it that's hard to make and it's what we did at graphic design festival scotland and teaching students there as well it was about it was about don't just rush into and create a, an idea, a result, a visual based on the brief. It's like, think about it, spend a day thinking about what that potential solution could be. How good is it going to be? Um, is it good enough? You know, because a bad idea is always a bad idea. It doesn't matter how well you, you how, how many layers of visual fluff you add to that, it'll always be a bad idea. Um, but if you get a good idea, and you should be able to get that across even with the most minimal of of visual uh, accoutrements. Accoutrements. <laughs> I didn't think I'd be saying that. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, that's that's kind of to us what. Well, that's what I, that's, well, that's what design should be. I think. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does that make sense there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So does that kind of round off that a little bit? Hopefully? Yeah. Hopefully a little bit. Um, yeah. But I suppose what we now need to do is say, well, where do we go from here? Yeah, because I think we've kind of exhausted the what is design angle. Um, I, I think we could go round and round and <laughs> continue to, to talk about it with many different people. But I, yeah, I feel like we should move. You know the one thing design isn't? Art. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing we've decided on. Uh, absolutely. So Yeah, it's not art. Um But they do live side by side. Um yeah. But I think that's where people sometimes... So it gets a little bit 
wrapped up. But that maybe leads us into the, what we were, what we're going to look at going forward. Um, is I suppose the the education around design, and I think there's there's many facets to that. Um, but on a very basic level, when we're talking about this, this sort of difference between art and design, I think uh, in the general population, the, the, in Scotland anyway, that there isn't a, a good solid foundational understanding of of what design is, um, in the same way that you would find in say Scandinavia, um, or sort of elsewhere in Europe, uh, maybe like Germany and things like that, um, and that. I think as a, as a design studio, I feel like you have a responsibility um, and it's something that we do with a lot of clients, um, but also try to do a bit of that with the, the sort of the wider audience to, to try and educate on what, what design actually is and what that means. Um, and it, sometimes it comes down to people not understanding that, that difference between a painting on a wall in a gallery and what design is. Um, yeah. And that's frustrating. I believe pretty strongly that you, you have to have an understanding of, of what design is at a most basic level in order to, to progress as a, as, a, as a society, as a country, as a, you know, uh, you know, as a world. You have to do that because it's, it's a method by which we do take those rules, those systems and those processes and we tweak them and we play with them and we make them better. And if you're not making things better, then you're, you're going backwards or you're standing still. And that's not a good thing, I don't think. No. And what, I mean, what I'm not talking about is trying to get everyone in Scotland on a computer on Illustrator or Photoshop. That's that's not it at all. It's more, I mean, we've done a couple of things now, like one of the things being the like the typography treasure hunt uh, around the city where we just got a, a bunch of people who some were interested in design, some, some not. And we went round and you sort of, pick out on the trail some great examples of typography and you go and photograph it and it makes you look at the, your surroundings in a, a completely different way and actually what you're doing is submerging yourself in this sort of this world of typography and, and design which exists all around you but you, you don't necessarily focus on that on your day-to-day -day life so it's just giving people a different perspective on what's actually going on all around them i think there's that age-old sort of thing of you know design is almost invisible good design is invisible until you until you have it almost pointed out to you you know you, you'll always spot bad design um because it, it slaps you in the face pretty much and and uh, you, you realize it um so yeah it's kind of pointing out the good design and showing people you know this this invisible stuff that's there that they can kind of engage with sometimes it's having that appreciation that actually your your frustration of how something works or operates is down to the fact that it's been designed badly and mm. that it's not your fault as the end user and the person who's come across that that product or that service or that that thing but actually fundamentally it is it's flawed and that it could be reconfigured in a way that is is much better for you and that's the role of of design yeah and maybe there isn't just a one method uh, solution you know maybe maybe we're moving into realms where you know it can be really 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 adaptive and responsive to the individual person's uh, needs and you know you can you can start to look at it from that that angle and i think that's kind of going back to the start of this and talking about the design festival that was kind of part of our thoughts with that as well was like to create a, an, an always a, always available festival uh, that could respond around you mm -hmm. um, you know whether we achieved that or not i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah we did i think we, yeah, did, yeah, yeah, we did in some way we did yeah for sure i don't um, know if we're the judge of that as far as trying to say yeah no yeah, true. 
Um, yeah, so I think there's, um, going forward, what we want to look at that is the, the sort of education piece around design in terms of um, getting that understanding, spread out wider, and engaging a wider audience and, and design in, in general. Um, but also looking at the the education of new designers. So how they come into the industry and how we as a studio help facilitate that and help sustain creative talent and show that the creative industries are a brilliant, viable career path for, for young people in, in Scotland. Yeah, I think we need to explore all aspects of, of that, you know, from from self-education to university education to the the problems of um sustaining this this sort of ever growing sort of demand for for uh, um university degrees and things like that so mm-hmm. it's like how do we how do we explore what it is that how do we how do we explore what the education of future designers is and what makes a good system yeah what yeah what what does that future look like and how do we go from where we are just now to to get to that that point where we are creating great designers that are equipped for the the real world, um, which I think is a, a discussion that's been going on for for decades. And how do we recognise that? I think that's important too because there's a lot of people that we come across that, that and um, I mean, maybe we're in there as well. Like you know, how do we how do you, you get seen as somebody that does good design you know how do you position yourself to to be there to um champion that and and do things um and what's the role of other design studios or other places to be able to highlight those good designers mm-hmm. and not just celebrate successful designers because that's that's also something that's worth looking at is what is a this comes back to your love on your other podcast of asking people what success is but it's that it's that sort of you know this idea that maybe there are certain designers you can hold up on on a poster and say you know be like them um, is that healthy or is you know what does that mean now so yeah maybe we'll come up with a, a, a snappy title for the next theme of the of the podcast or if anyone's got ideas um you know it'd be nice to hear from you um i believe there are people that listen to this it'd yeah. be good to hear you yeah if you can condense the last uh, 20 minutes of rambling about what we're going to talk about for the next year into like a, a snappy little phrase that'd be great <laughs> give him a free copy of the book there you go yeah <laughs> yeah okay fair. i mean that's that seems fair enough yeah so if you come up with that like short snappy theme for the next um year of the podcast so we say 2020 um yeah there's a, a free copy of the the dundee design festival 2019 book um on offer but i mean we should probably just round it up there i suppose mm-hmm. yep yeah. okay that's uh that's 2019 yeah enjoy the rest of 2019 and we'll um yeah i suppose it's always weird saying speak to because you're not actually speaking are you? nah it's probably there's probably people listening to this in 2030 going what were these guys up to um <laughs> we'll see you next year <laughs> see you in the next decade yep okay i'll push the button that's us all oh, right, yeah, right okay yeah, yeah. <laughs>